0: You're listening to the Expat Chit Chat Show. This is our midweek short story, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. On the Road to Hana, written and experienced by Brad Fink. I was once having tea with an old friend from Florida who had spent some time in Hawaii. When I asked him what he thought of the islands, he said that it's kind of like heaven there as he'd often imagined it, but without as many clouds. At the time I had just returned to America from a long season traveling abroad and wanting to do some riding, I decided that I would rather avoid the busyness of the mainland. With only some old clothes, a traveler's guide, and a few hundred dollars to my name, I shouldered my pack and purchased a one-way ticket to the Polynesian Isle of Oahu. Typically when one thinks of Hawaii, it is of lush greenery, of pristine shores, of seascapes and romantic sunsets. But if in search of solitude, then Waikiki is not the place to be. Honolulu is a big, industrious city. On the promenade, one shuffles along with the tourists, while taxi cabs and trolleys motor back and forth between the high-rise hotels. The east side of the island is beautiful, and there's plenty to be said for the mountains and valleys that dominate the North Shore. But still, Oahu is a bit too hectic. After three days rounding the island, I decided that I would rather not stay there. And following the advice of my guidebook, I booked another one-way ticket to Maui. From Honolulu to Kahului is an easy 35-minute flight. Upon landing at the airport, I rented a car for $25. And because of a mix-up with directions, it took me half an hour driving to get to any recognizable road. But finally, I found my way north along the isthmus that divides the island. In Pahia, a small town in the northern shore, I parked the car, checked the surf, and bought a sandwich from the petrol station, where the attendant looked as though I had woken him from a dozy composure of a dream. After a short conversation, he pointed me in the direction of Lahayana, and driving south through the island and up along the west coast, I arrived to a stretch of waterfront bars and art galleries, where I parked again, walked around for half an hour, and saw that it was a touristy town. Maui itself is incredibly beautiful, there isn't much traffic there, and in between towns, the mountains rise up in a range of green volcanic peaks. In the afternoon, I headed again toward Bahia, which had seemed like a good enough place to stay. I figured that if I could get a job there, I would take an apartment, work, surf, and not be bothered while I put some finishing touches on the manuscript that I was drafting. In town, I stopped at the general store to check the bulletin board out front. But with no postings for work, I kept on along the only road going north, which turned suddenly with a bend at the shore, and then I found myself driving east along some empty, narrow, winding highway. I was nearly four miles from town when I realized that this was the road to Hana. Briefly, I considered turning back toward Pahia. But having already started out in that direction, I figured that if it became too dark, I would sleep in the car and head back toward Pahia in the morning. Because the north shore of Maui rises to a steep and flourishing rainforest, the road to Hana is slow and meandering. It runs 52 miles over waterfalls, gullies, quick and scenic bridges. The bridges cross the gullies in short dramatic spans, one after another as the road negotiates the coastline. When I saw Duncan walking by the side of the road, he had his pack on and his thumb out. He was a gruff and robust fellow. Burnt from having too much sun, and perhaps lost, I thought, or otherwise ill-advised to be going on the road on foot. In approaching, I could see his back muscles straining beneath the tremendous weight of his back. Getting in, he thanked me brusquely. He was English by his accent, and by his eyes, I supposed, no more than thirty years old. As I drove, he told me of his arrival to the island, of how he had started out from Pahia the morning before having made it ten miles walking before a pineapple farmer had taken him as far as the old YMCA. By then it was nearing dusk, so he had pitched his tent, built a fire with some palm branches, and camped there for the night. When he asked of my plans, I told him that I hadn't any, that I would go as far as Hana to have a look around and most likely spend the night in the car. The rest of the way to Hana was the most beautiful part. As we went, Duncan told me of his travels, he said that he had been going now for 19 months working here and there as a line cook in restaurants before hawaii he had spent several months in the kitchens of a brassier in uptown manhattan for some months before that he had been prepping meals in a fisherman's lodge in alaska and when i asked him why he had been going for so long he said that he does not like the weather in england it's downright dreary he said come november and you don't see the sun for a hundred days I told him that I had been going for 22 months myself, through South America and Africa and parts of the Far East. So much out there, he agreed. Not enough time. Do you ever think that you might stop? Stopped in Liverpool some time back, he said. After eight days of it, I was bored to bits, stood right back up and was going again. For another hour and a half, we drove straight through Hana. In town, we found only some houses, a flower garden, a small church, and a store. In the store, I bought some nuts and water and Duncan brought himself some beer. And for another hour, we sat in the parking lot and watched the local Hawaiians come and go. After that, we drove around town a little and then up to a hidden ridge, which had been poorly fenced off. So we hopped the fence, fell beneath some coconut palms and sprawled out on the grass. By the time we noticed the sunlight fading, it was after six o'clock. Wondering what to do, Duncan said that he would be heading south in the morning and I would go back to Pahia. So in the end, we agreed right there on the ridge was a good enough place to stay. While Duncan pinched his tent, I made a bed for myself in the backseat of the car. For dinner, we cooked baked beans over a small fire and then Duncan offered to skin one up. And so we went out to the cliff and smoked a while, watching the sun settle into the Pacific. As night fell, Duncan played some music on his traveling radio, and the stars came out that night like they had in Canada, as they had in the Sahara, and as I remembered them in Africa above a very particular campsite. And we talked of things we had seen and learned in our travels around the world. "'Where will you go from here?' I asked him. Duncan shrugged, sighing quietly. He thought for a moment, and he said, "'I always wanted to see Japan.' I asked him of his plans for settling down, and he said that the day he stopped wandering would be a sad day indeed. A woman could make you stop, I said suddenly, though not quite certainly. Duncan said nothing, but I could see that he had heard me, and I felt that I had touched something sensitive. In the morning when I woke, there was a note from Duncan written on the back of the baked beans label. It said that he had gone to Hana to buy some food and would then continue on his way toward the eastern shore. Underneath one of the trees was a coconut that he had split and left for me to eat. Walking sleepily down to the cliff, I drank the milky water and peeled away the shell. As I chewed the nut, I felt the sun come on from behind the mountains. For a while, I stood looking down at the ocean. It was a sunny morning with a delicate breeze and a view that was as beautiful as any that I had seen. Standing there on the ridge, feeling suddenly lonesome, I thought sentimentally of home. There were people in Florida that would have been happy to see me. There was a girl there as well whom I often remembered. Thinking of her, I closed my eyes and fell easily back to sleep. Upon waking again, I made some notes in my journal. I loaded the car and headed slowly west, driving back along the road to Hana, thinking of Duncan. I hoped that he was fine, for him not to be lonesome, and that someday he would find his way home.